you got a Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2, continuing our series uh, this morning entitled Conquered by Grace. Uh, Conquered by Grace, we looked at uh, over the last two weeks, Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, we looked at uh, uh, the beginning portion of that and, and talked about all that we had uh, in Christ, right? The riches that we had in Him and verses 1 through 14. And then uh, last week we uh, looked at uh, Paul's prayer uh, to the church at Ephesus and how we ought to be folks that are praying, right, uh, these specific prayers over um, our, uh, each, one, uh, each, uh, each other, uh, praying over uh, one another. Uh, and then this morning we're looking at a familiar passage, but one that uh, uh, is powerful none uh, the less, right? Uh, Paul here in Ephesians chapter 2, the verse, first portion of it, uh, is giving um, uh, insight, right, encouragement, but ultimately helping for the church at Ephesus to remember uh, the gospel. To remember the gospel. He shares in verses 1 through 10, right, uh, essentially the gospel message and is uh, looking to help uh, remind them, right, of where they came from, right, who saved them and who they are now uh, in uh, him. And so with that being said, Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, we're going to read uh, through verse 10. If you're there, let me know that you're there by saying there. And uh, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, it's all right. The verses will be on the screen. You can follow along. But this is what the Word of the Lord uh, says. It says this, And you uh, were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ, so that in the coming ages he might show the, in the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Why don't we pray one more time together? Lord God, we do love you. We thank you. Lord, for this uh, rich uh, passage, this uh, powerful passage in your word pertaining to, Lord, who we are in you. I, I just pray this morning, Lord, for the saint that's in the house, Lord, that you would that stir their affections for you more deeply, Lord. Remind them. God, who they are in you. I pray for the person here who may not know you. God, I pray that you draw them to yourself today. Lord, and show them that uh, 
Lord, that they can experience the same grace that those who are saved can have experienced. As we walk through your text, I pray that you'd speak to us, Lord. Meet us, not all where we are. And God will give you the glory for what you do today. We love you. We thank you. And we ask these things all in your gracious and heavenly name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Remembering the gospel. Remembering the gospel. Whenever I think of remembering uh, and and going back, I think of the times I get a chance to go back home to Dallas. Uh, Last time I got to go back home, I got to see the apartment I grew up in when I was a little kid. Got to drive over there uh, and look and see right uh, uh, where I grew up. You know, and it wasn't, you know, one of the most pleasant of places, you know, Brother Ed, but I got to reminisce and think back to those times out in, you know, the backyard area, right? I saw the little community pool and the dingy greenish blue water that was there, you know, wasn't good. We didn't swim in there much, but, uh, you know, got to look back and see there, got to drive around the general area and just reflect and reminisce on those times. And what helped me was, right, thinking back, you know, to those days, right, it, it helped me to uh, essentially be able to appreciate uh, my parents back then, where I came from, right, and where the Lord has brought me to up to this point. It was good to look back and reflect, man, on where I was, right, to give a greater appreciation of, if you will, of, man, where the Lord has me now, by his grace. I am where I am now. I say that to, to, to say this in the same way. That's essentially what Paul is doing here. He shares right at the end of chapter one about the prayer, right? The prayers that he prays over the church at Ephesus. And then in chapter two, he dives right in to reminding them right of this gospel, right? Where they came from, right? Hey, who saved them and who changed them and reminds them of who they are now. And in the same way as followers of Christ, hey, it is an important Practice for us, man, to be able, hey, to to reflect back, right, to, hey, where we once were, where God has brought us from and where we are now in him. Remembering the gospel. Why is it so important to be reminded of uh, the gospel message, this message of good news? Right. Number one, remembering the gospel helps us to remember where we came from and and thus keeps us humble. Those who are saved in here have been saved, you know, for a while. It's easy, right, to forget who saved you. You could be hey, you, man, you could be a Christian for so long. You can forget who delivered you. You can get to a point where you think, hey, look, hey, the one that saved me, I don't got to spend time with him because, man, I'm saved now. You could easily forget where you came from. We, hey, remembering the gospel helps for us to remember where we came from and thus keeps us humble. Remembering the gospel, secondly, also reminds us, man, of a God who truly loves us. Man, you want to know the character of God? Hey, man, reflect back to the message of the gospel. Hey, those moments where, hey, your, your mind and your heart is clouded on, hey, the character and person of Jesus Christ. Hey, man, go back to the gospel. Remember the gospel. Then thirdly and lastly, remembering the gospel, right, helps us, helps to remind us, I should say, who we are in him now. And we see Paul highlight all three of those realities here. Remembering the gospel. Hey, what what three uh, things do we need to remember about uh, the gospel message this morning? Paul lays it out here in verses 1 through 10. Hey, the first thing we need to remember, uh, right, when it comes to the gospel is remembering 
Man, mankind's plight. Mankind's plight. He talks about it in verses 1 through 3. Let's go back to it. Look what it says. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of uh, the body. And the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Paul here highlights mankind's plight and how all of us right at one point in time, man, were in this place. We were in this predicament, if you will. Right that. Hey, because right of our sin. Hey, we are separated from God. We've been separated from him. Mankind's plight, and all of us, man, we're at one point in time at this place. Doesn't matter, man, if you grew up in church and been in church since, you know, before you were born. Hey, doesn't matter, man, if you were a real good person. Right? The reality is, the Bible tells us, man, that, hey, we all, man, are part of uh, this reality. And Paul, right, even talks about himself here. He's, He's talking to the Ephesian Christians, says you, and then, man, he shifts Right to uh, his verbiage to include himself. He shifts right the language. Go from you, right, second uh, second person plural to we, first person plural. And talks about himself and how even he was in uh, that place. Right, And the reality holds for us is that, man, we all man, are victims uh, to uh, this curse. Mankind's plight. Mankind's plight. By the way, go and throw this in free charge. What makes the gospel good? Right is understanding that we're bad. Yes, number one, you know what makes the gospel good, obviously, is Christ. Right, that, that's that's the answer there. But but hey, but what, what what makes the message of the gospel good is understanding that man, we're broken up, understanding our plight, and we see man him discuss it here. What does he say? Right, what is he saying in verses one through three here when he talks about mankind's plight? Right, he he speaks to right uh, the doctrine first and foremost known as total depravity he says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins dead totally dead not you know it's kind of like uh, uh that quote from the princess bride remember that old movie back in the 80s the princess bride right that says hey you know uh, you're uh, partially dead no no we weren't partially dead we, we were totally dead in our sin and in our uh, trespasses Right. Uh, it's this doctrine known as total depravity, this reality, right, that that we men are utterly hopeless, lost, separated from God. And, and, and there's no way that we can save ourselves, no way we can pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, if you will. There's no way, man, we are utterly hopeless. Look at some of the scriptures here that speaks to uh, this reality. Psalm 51, 5, David himself, man, after God's own heart, look what he says says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. And then the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 64, 6 says it like this. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment or are like filthy rags in another uh, translation. Uh, man, this reality of, man, our state... You know, man, we are hopeless, spiritually dead, man, unable to, man, do anything on our own accord, right, in our own power to save ourselves. Let me add this thought, though, before I move on to the second sub-point, this thought on total depravity. We are spiritually dead, 
right? Uh, uh, the reality is, hey, the Spirit of God has to draw us to himself. But, hey, listen to me now. There's still responsibility on our part, right, to respond to the drawing. You get saved. Hey, there's still responsibility there. Hey, we're spiritually dead, but God in his love, man, we'll talk about it here in a second, man, draws us to himself. But, hey, we still have the responsibility to respond. We're able to respond. This case, spiritually doesn't mean that you're not able to respond. You can respond to the message of the gospel. Man, we see total depravity talked about here. Uh, but secondly, right, we see total brokenness described here. He says in the first part there, verses 1 and 2, talking about us being dead in our sin and our trespasses. Then he speaks to, hey, man, we were following uh, the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, right? Uh, and then following our own lust. Paul gets specific here and, and, and speaks to our total brokenness. We were following the world, right? So he refers to the sins that they previously walked in. And this reality that at one point in time, hey, we were controlled by our lust and our sins, controlled by the flesh, if you will. By the way, the unsaved person still is. That's why we see, man, all the corruptness in the world. You ask the question, hey, what could move somebody, right, to, you know, walk into, man, a church and just start shooting folks up? Well, man, it's, man, the fact that they're controlled by their flesh, controlled by evil, right, speaks to this total brokenness, right? What can convince somebody to walk into a parade and do the same thing? Man, it's, man, they're flesh, they're evil. The fact that they're controlled. Man, by man, the influence of the world talks about, hey, that the, uh, at one point in time, not only did we follow the course of the world, but we followed Satan. Right. Uh, uh, we uh, he was our ruler. He was our master. Bible says, man, hey, we were men, children of the devil at one point in time man, some harsh language, some real language there speak to where we were. And then he talks about how, man, hey, we followed uh, uh, the lust of the flesh, right, which speaks to that whole idea, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Man, that uh, that spoke to our life at one point in time, uh, right, which speaks to this fact that we were once, man, totally broken. It's important, man, to understand that truth, man. That's where we once were. And for a person that, hey, doesn't know Christ in here, that, that's where you currently are. And Paul speaks to that there. Look at this scripture here, Romans 2, 5. It says like this, but because of your hard and, uh, and uh, penitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. I guess what, hey, what Paul's trying to say and what I'm trying to say this morning is this. The reality is, hey, we were hey, born sinners. Hey, th- this, hey, this reality of mankind's plight, it applied to us at one point in time. If you're still, if you don't know Christ, it applies to you as well. But hey, there's some good news. I, hey, I'm glad, man, that Paul didn't stop in, in verse three of this here. Aren't you glad for that, church? Hey, the second part, right, of uh, uh, remembering the gospel is not only remembering mankind's plight. We need to remember that, right? We need to, hey, speak to the realities of sin and how, man, at one point in time, hey, we were controlled by that. We, that was our master, if you will. But the second part in, man, remembering the gospel, man, is choosing to remember God's pursuit of us. Verse 4, man, hey, one of my favorite, uh, uh, you know, uh, conjunctions, right, followed by, uh, you know, speaking to God there. Hey, but God. Paul says, hey, this is where we were, 
this is where you once were. But then he says, hey, but God, man, he interjects there. He says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead and our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. Hey, at one point in time, man, because of our sin, we were separated from God, doomed to spend forever in a real place called hell, far from him. But God, man, hey, made a way for us. Right. It speaks to his pursuit. God. Hey, here it is. God didn't leave us, man, in the plight, didn't leave us in the predicament that we were once in. Hey, he pursued us, pursued us. And by the way, if you're lost, he's pursuing you right now. Aren't you glad for that? I'm glad he pursued me. So I didn't grow up in church. I I knew I knew quite a bit of the Bible because I went to a Christian school for a little while, competed in what they call junior Bible quizzes. Just because I love competition, I love to win. So I made sure to study and, and, you know, it won a lot of competition. I could tell you a lot of facts about the Old Testament, but I was lost. But God made in the midst of that. Hey, pursued me, man. Put people in my life, man, that loved him. And end up coming to faith in him. I'm glad, man, for his pursuit man. we see here that God pursued us and his pursuit man was shown in him sending his son to lay his life down so that we could have life man hey the second part in remembering the gospel is remembering that God pursued you pursued you and we see here Paul talk about in this long discourse from verses four through nine right uh, uh, we see him first and foremost highlight the reasons for God's pursuit Verse four speaks to that. He says, hey, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us. Right. And then later on, he speaks to, hey, man, it's by his grace that we have been saved. We see Paul here highlight the character of God. It's because of God's love that he pursued us. This love, man, that was displayed in him sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. You know, all the verses, John three sixteen. Right. You know what Romans 5, 8 says. We've got it on the screen here. But God showed his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, still sinners, Christ died for us. It was because of God's love he pursued us. This everlasting love, man. It's not like we were people worth pursuing. Man, hey, man, our sin, man, hey, made us ugly. It was a foul stench to God. But yet, man, his love, man, went beyond all that. And he. Pursue us because of his love, man, the love of God, right? Uh, how rich and far, how marvelous and how strong. And the love of God, man, that's for you and for me, right? His love was one of the reasons why he pursued us. His mercy uh, was another reason why he pursued us. He mentions it there. Titus 3, 4 through 7 says it like this. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Man, hey, he pursued us because of his mercy. Man, his mercy. I'm thankful for it. Man, God, if he wanted to, man, hey, he could have ended right his tearing of coming back again. And man could have came to uh, took, taking names and taking over. 
before we came to faith in him. But hey, because of his mercy, right? He's patient and desiring all man to come to know him. I'm thankful for his mercy. But then thirdly, right, we see right reason for his grace. Uh, reason for his pursuit is because of his grace. Right. Paul talks about how it's because by his grace we've been saved. Right. It's a gift. It's a gift. Titus 2.11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation. Right. The availability of salvation to all for all people. And anyone on this side of eternity has an opportunity hey, to, to come to know him. We see the character of God right on display here. What, what that means, church, is this. Hey, God is not hey, just some, some vindictive hater. He's not just someone that, hey, that's looking to, to, to try and, man, strike us dead on, on every turn. He's not some one man that, that wants the worst for us and, and is, hey, is, is looking right to, to harm us, if you will. Paul here reminds the Ephesian believers, hey, this same God that saved you by his grace, man, is the same one, right? When he pursued you in salvation, the same one that's looking to continue, man, to pursue and use you in the now. Meet you where you are now. He reminds them, right, of the reasons of his pursuit. But also, man, we, we see the result of his uh, pursuit here in uh, the text there. Look at some of the language that he uses, right? Uh, uh, we've been made alive. We were once dead. We've been made alive in Christ. Uh, he's raised us up in Christ. Man, we've gone from darkness to light uh, in Christ. What Paul is saying here is this. Hey, the, the, the result of God's pursuit and, and your uh, turning from your sin and trust in Christ, your response to the pursuit, right, is that there has been life change. Listen, don't mix it up here. There, there is a clear contrast we see here between those that are lost and those that are saved. God's pursuit of us and our response to Him in faith, man, has changed us. Listen, if your life isn't any different, right, from when you said that you chose to place your faith and trust in Christ to, to you know, to now, then you met the wrong Christ. Our, our life is, is supposed to be different. Paul uses language that speaks to this change that has taken place. Been made alive in him, right? It's known as the doctrine of regeneration, right? Where our heart has been changed. We went from having a heart of stone, right, to a heart of flesh, as Ezekiel talks about. We've become new uh, creatures, right, a new creation, as 2 Corinthians 5 speaks uh, about here. When we came to faith in Christ, we hadn't achieved a higher form of religious status or or we hadn't, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, reconfigured our lives. Right. We've been reborn. We've been changed. And Paul speaks right of man. Hey, this gospel message, right? Christ and how he is able to change us. I love the story of uh, uh, that uh, George Whitfield, the famous evangelist preacher in the 18th century, shared about uh, uh, one of his revival messages. Uh, he preached on John chapter 3, right, uh, the great passage. You know, it talks about God's love for us, the uh, story of Nicodemus. And uh, uh, there was a man that showed up there, which he didn't know at the time, but a man showed up there with uh, um, a ton of rocks in his pockets. He was looking, hey, to, to do some harm to uh, George Whitfield to get him to be quiet, get him to shut his mouth. George Whitfield preaches the gospel message. And that man, right, that was full of hate, anger, he ends up getting saved. 
And he goes up to George Whitfield at the end and he said, you know, uh, Pastor George, listen, I, I came here this morning. Right to. Essentially. Break your head open, bust your head open. But when you shared the message of the gospel, Jesus in turn ended up breaking my heart. <laughs> and now my life has changed. I've come to trust in him. Say, Pastor, why you share that? Hey, I share that because, right, the good news is this grace, man, that we've experienced whenever we came to faith in Christ Jesus, it changes us. This grace, hey, made even the foulest clean, right? That speaks to us. Even though you were a good religious person, man, hey, you were still foul in the eyes of God before coming to faith in him. Man, it made us clean and can still make even the foulest, man, those that are far away from God clean today. And let me go ahead and say it just because I could say it. Hey, the good news is, man, there's no one that's too far gone, man, to receive uh, this grace and mercy and to receive, man, Christ Jesus is Lord. As we saw here with this angry man. Imagine that, man. Hey, dude coming in, man, wanting to bust your head open. I know I'd be a little fearful, especially if he came up to me even after the service, you know. Maybe Brother George was more spiritual than I was. I would have been praying. I see him come up, you know. But I'm thankful, man, that the Lord still changes uh, the hearts of people. And that's what Paul talks about here, man. The result of God's pursuit, right, is that we would respond in coming to faith in him and understanding that our response, man, it, it, it changes us when we choose to respond to Christ. And he changes our heart and our life. Man, the first reality about the gospel we need to remember is mankind's plight. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. Second. And reality we need to remember about the gospel is, man, God's pursuit of us. Man, he's a pursuing God. And the third reality we need to remember, man, about the gospel is this, God's plan for us in Christ. Verse 10 speaks to that. Hey, y'all know, right, that uh, salvation in the end <laughs> for us, it's just the beginning. Just the beginning. We say that often right uh, here. But Paul reminds the church at Ephesus of that reality uh, here in verse 10. He talks about, hey, by grace, you've been saved through uh, faith. Right. Uh, we can't work, man, to to get right with God, man. Hey, it's a gift that's given when we choose to respond to him in faith so that we may not boast. And then look what he says, for we are his workmanship. That word workmanship in the original language, poema, which speaks to uh, his masterpiece, his uh, canvas, if you will, right? His work of art. We are his work of art created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Paul here, right, is, 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 reminds the church of Ephesus, but also reminds us of an important deal. Yes, works can't save us. We just saw that, right? But the reality is, hey, we've been saved to work. We've been created in Christ Jesus, right, to serve him, to live for him. That was God's plan for us in Christ at the end. Of the day. He didn't save us, you know, just to sit. Didn't save us just for us to coast into eternity. We aren't saved by works, but man, when we are saved, we are going to work to serve him. As the reformers, you say, man, it's faith alone that justifies, but faith that justifies can never be alone. 
And so the call for us is to understand that, hey, salvation, like I said, is not the end. It is just the beginning. And the call for us, right, is to understand, right, what this life in Christ ought to look like. Some folks may say, okay, we've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. Does that mean, you know, oh, that we're all called to ministry, all all called to, you know, uh, uh, to preach, all called to, uh, you know, to to be in vocational ministry per se? No, it, it, it doesn't. This isn't, this isn't, you know, uh, denouncing what, what your current career is or, or hey, what, what your current life is in Christ right now. It's not doing that. What it is doing, right, is reminding us that, hey, in, in whatever, in wherever the Lord has us, that we're called, man, to work dutifully right unto him. First Corinthians 1031 says, but also, hey, we're called right in where we work, where we serve, in our families, right, to live in such a way that people can see that, oh, yeah, that's one of God's poemas, one of God's masterpieces, one of God's workmanships. We're called to live in such a way, right, where, hey, it can be distinguished to those that are around us. Hey, hey, that person's different. That person's one of God's masterpieces. Man, that, that person's been changed by gospel. Paul is reminding the church at Ephesus, man, that we've been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, which, by the way, right, hey, God knows, he has known, right? Uh, and the fact that we we're going to come to know him, right, and he's prepared, you know, uh, the, these uh, works, if you will, for us beforehand. So, hey, what does that mean for us? Man, we ought to follow him and his lead and his direction. He already, hey. He knows what's best. We ought to follow that. We've been created in Christ for good works. What that means is, hey, we forfeited our natural rights and our privileges. We forfeited our preferences and priorities. Man, Christ is number one. And so where he has us, man, man, we choose to be folks that live in such a way where folks can point out, oh, Man, that's one of God's poemas, masterpiece. That's what Paul encourages the believers to do. Remembering the gospel, man, it's healthy to remember where we came from, right? To understand that, hey, man, we were once far off from him, alienated, as it'll talk about in the next passage. It's alienated from him. But God, man, made his way. He pursued us, made his way, made a way for us to come to know him. And now, because we know him, we ought to look to live lives, man, that glorify him in every way. And so may that be said of us in here. May that be said of us in here. This morning, right, majority of folks in here. May be saved, man. You may know the Lord, right? Remembering the gospel, I, I pray and I hope that, man, it stirs, man, your love and affection for Jesus more deeply. That you would choose, man, to worship Him. Not just with your lips, but with your life. You would choose to live in a way that's pleasing to Him. That the remembrance of where you once were, man, would, and prick your heart. 
man, and lead you to live a life of thanksgiving and gratitude for the fact that he's come and saved you. For the person here who doesn't know Christ, man, can, can I encourage you? Hey, the reality of what we just read is real, man. Hey, you're broken. Uh, the reality is, hey, you, you're far from God. And the reality is if you die without Christ, you're going to spend forever far from him in a real place uh, called hell. What the word says, man, it's not fun to talk about and highlight, but, but it's the truth. But the good news is, hey... That same God that pursued those that are saved in here, man, is, is the same God that's pursuing you. And, hey, he, he wants to have a relationship with you. Like I've mentioned, hey, you're not too far gone on this side of eternity to receive. Man, the love and the mercy and grace of God. All you got to do is call on his name, the Bible says. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You say, what does that look like? Well, it's understanding that you are messed up. Choosing to repent of that, turn away from that. I didn't choosing to, man, believe that Jesus, who he says he is, and to make him your savior and your master, your Lord, be saved. As that old hymn says, and I've quoted hundreds of times, I know I have, but I love it anyway. The good news is there's still room at the cross for you. There's still room at the cross. So choose to turn to him today.